Welcome to season two of Best in SaaS, where we talk through the patterns and playbooks in the revenue sprint to 20 million and beyond with the industry's most accomplished executives, entrepreneurs, and investors. Despite the world melting around us, we survived season one with only a few scratches and a couple of bathroom incidents from our resident Best in SaaS puppy mascot, Stuart. Wash your hands and don your favorite face mask because here comes season two. Howdy, everyone. Welcome back to another episode. I am thrilled, per usual, for you to listen in on this conversation. But before we get into it, if you're a regular listener and you enjoy the discussions, do me a favor and let us know by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. It helps other folks find the show and it helps Apple realize they should feature us on New and Noteworthy. So that would be awesome. With that, enough of my blabbing. Let's get on to the episode. So today, I am super excited. We've got Tiago on the call. Um, now, I'm not going to try to say Tiago's last name because he told me not to, <laughs> because everyone butchers it. Um, but Tiago is the Chief Re Revenue Officer at Chorus AI, um, which all of us listening know of. Um, excited to dig into that. He just joined recently. But most of this conversation is actually going to be focused on your time at Huddle, uh, where you grew them to tremendous scale. And I'll let you speak more to that. But Tiago, welcome to the call. Thanks. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course. So, you know, I was looking into your background and I love that you have uh, your Cutco salesman, uh, you know, <laughs> time of life on your LinkedIn. And I'm curious, like, that must have been an incredibly formative time for you as a young person, like going door to door as a, at least that's what I'm assuming it was like, what, what was that? And, and is there anything that you learned in doing that, that you take with you today that shaped who you are as a leader? Yeah. So Cutco, a lot of us started there. That's what I got to tell you. A lot of people that you'll meet in the revenue world started at Cutco selling those incredible knives. Um, so it, that actually wasn't something that was as difficult as many as the other jobs that I had uh, in the future, because a lot of that was based on references. So you would go somewhere, you get someone to write out three people they thought was, would also be interested in, in purchasing knives. And they would go and connect you and call people even with you there. Wow. Uh, that, it wasn't that bad, actually. Um, what was incredibly difficult was I sold knives to somebody that uh, owned a uh, life and health insurance business. And he ended up hiring me right after I sold him knives. And yeah, he paid for me to get my license. And that's when I did the door to door where you're walking into all those business parks where it says no soliciting. And some people, you know, in that blazing heat, I was living in St. Louis at the time, um, you know, a 17, 18 year old um, when, I, when I was doing that. So people give you a nice glass of water, you know, with some ice and others say some nice, not so nice things uh, once you uh, get through the door. So that was actually something that I really learned that there's nothing as hard as doing door to door type of sales. It makes everything that we do in the SaaS world seem easy, um, in my opinion. And now I'm realizing I, I did not know that Cutco was the pioneer of social selling. <laughs> well, they started. So you asked like, if something you know, I took away from that was like, hey, whenever you're finalizing a partnership with a new customer, ask them always if there's anyone else they know that are interested as well. 
because 90% of the time they do know some folks. And usually at that point, you're at you know, the ultimate high. You just finalized the partnership and it's, it could be a great moment uh, for you to get some great leads from them. So, you know, then you went to cut your teeth at Responsus and at Oracle. And, yeah. you know, there's, there's Oracle, of course, has its own aura of, you know, folks who go there and get trained there and, and come up through the ranks and then go on to do things like Salesforce and uh, <laughs> other, other big things. Um, and so you went to huddle after that. Um, tell me about, you know, your experience at Oracle and how that informed how you viewed the business at Huddle when you stepped into it and then what your approach was like there. Yeah. So I'll take a little bit of a step back because I, I came to Oracle through responses that you, that you mentioned. And I was really blessed that I met the, at the time he was the CMO at response, a guy by the name of Scott Ulrich. That's now the COO at uh, DocuSign. And he met me, I was on a plane going down to play uh, UCLA um, I was a soccer player at, at, at Stanford um, at the time. And by the time we landed, he offered me an internship. Wow. Uh, and, you know, I was still finishing school. I was like, yeah, sure. Right. Of course. Like I'm, I'm sitting here thinking about what I'm going to do for a living. And I got, I get somebody that offers this to me and I really had the opportunity to build a, a career at responses where I learned from some incredible folks like Scott Orich, like Dave, Simon um, and Andrew Riesenfeld, Paul Hamilton, Sanjay Keen. I can keep going and going and going. These are some incredible folks uh, from Silicon uh, Valley that taught me so much that, that, that I use every day. Um, and many of them are at incredible companies now. And a lot of those learnings happened there. And then we, had, uh, we went public and then we were ultimately acquired by uh, Oracle where I spent uh, two years. Uh, but a lot what I came in into huddle had to do with what I learned at responses. And it really just started off with leadership and what it is that you're looking to do um, right when you come in. And to me, taking what I learned from sports and also the incredible leaders that I met at uh, responses, it really honed in on a growth, having a consistent growth mindset. And the second is how can I go and help build a foundation for people to be the best version of themselves? Mm. And I've really honed in everything that I do on that. Cause to me is it's all about customer outcomes. So focusing on customer outcomes. And then again, the people aspect, can we build a foundation that people can have the same opportunity that I luckily had at responses to learn and then become the best version of myself. Uh, and that usually leads to growth. Uh, and that that's, what I've really taken as my foundation. And I, I don't think it's going to change uh, much uh, in the future. So I'd love to dig into that because you, you named some fantastic people and I'd imagine you probably could map back one or two stories to each of those people. Like, you know, we all have these aha moments where someone comes in, takes a chance on us or teaches us a thing. And maybe at first it sounds conceptual or it doesn't click, but then, something happens, whether it's in our brain or an experience that we have, we're like, oh, now I get what they wanted me to know or understand. Could you walk us through a few of those for each of those people who were, you know, significant? Yeah, I probably should have gotten the okay to mention their names on, on this uh, beforehand. So I'm sorry if any of them uh, listen to this, maybe I should ping them um, after this. But um, so Scott Orch, I'll start with him because he was the person that I sat next to on that, on that plane. And 
after I joined responses, I found that he has to be the world's most incredible uh, recruiter because supposedly he does those things all the time. So he meets people at coffee shops, you know, on planes, on walks, when he's biking, whatever that is. And, you know, he finds top, top people and, and recruits them. And to me, what I, what I got out of that is like, you never know when opportunity is going to be right in front of your face, right? So just have an open mind. Even when you're going down to grab a, a quick coffee, say hi to the person um, next to you. Maybe you'll strike up a, a, a conversation. Um, the most influential person for me during my time at Response in particular was Dave Simon. Um, and he was leading our uh, mid-market uh, sector there. And he just had an executive presence about himself and just a way to walk into the room and, and command things, not in a, a overarching way, but just more like just instant respect and how he spoke and how he decided when he uh, decided to open his mouth within a meeting and being very uh, directed about the feedback that he wanted to provide is something that I look to do on a daily basis as an executive now that I'll, that I'll never um, forget. I could keep going, but maybe I should like stop a little bit because uh, there are many more stories that I could tell in case you wanted to jump in anything else. No, this is great. I mean, I think that these things are, are the more specific we are, you know, these are, these are lessons that you had the great fortune of learning firsthand, but you know, folks listening may not yet have had those same lessons. So if you want to share a couple more, then we can go forward onto, uh, you know, huddle and beyond. Yeah, I'll go. Uh, another person too that really helped in terms of how we messaged um, at, at responses was a guy by the name of uh, Paul Hamilton. And um, he, he aligned very closely with somebody else called Steve Hallowell, who's uh, currently at, now at, at High Spot. Um, and they really just transformed like our entire go-to-market thinking, especially Steve Hallowell um, himself, where we adopted Challenger in a very unique way um, at the time. We really focused on customer outcomes and what was driven uh, for our customers. So everything that we pitched and honed in on was very ROI focused and tied to these strategic accelerators that between, you know, Paul Hamilton and uh, Steve Hallowell was so well put together and going through that training and experiencing it directly as a rep. And then luckily as a leader there as well, it just brought forth these learnings that I'm going to use for the rest of my life um, in the approach that I took. And I just named a few people. There were many other folks involved um, in this, but that was a, a great example of something that I really learned from there. And then the other two was the, the CEO at Responses, a guy by the name of Dan Springer, who's now the CEO of DocuSign. Uh, even when we were getting close to 2,000 employees, like he still took the time to speak to people um, and, and be very open, uh, for, for feedback and would still fly around, uh, you know, in a quarterly basis to all our, our offices to go and actually have like small get togethers with like 20, 25 people, uh, to, for, you know, sort of a town hall where we can ask any questions that, that we wanted and his ability to speak to folks where you actually felt like he was speaking just directly to you and that's it. Uh, learning those type of skills and, and how they did it was it's going to be invaluable um, for the rest of my career. So now let's play that forward. You're at, we're going to skip a company too. We're going to go to chorus. Um, yeah. 
just joined Chorus, you're, you're probably still absorbing, getting the lay of the land and understanding, you know, where, where the business, actually, you were an advisor beforehand, right? So you were already familiar with the business before joining, correct? So I was a customer. Customer. Um, yeah, I was a customer. Then I joined the customer advisory board. Ah. Um, so I wasn't a, an, an actual advisor, but I joined the customer advisory board, which I guess does make me an advisor, right? Like I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm the one that decided to, to purchase the platform and, 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 and join that uh, course from a partnership perspective. And yeah, we were heavily involved in the you know, future roadmap discussions and Chorus was doing a great job of actually getting customer feedback um, from us. So yeah, I, the, the joke that exists uh, internally is at first, you know, as a, as a revenue leader, I bet my budget and then now I'm, I'm moving forward and betting my career, right? So it's just a, a little bit of a jump um, is a joke that we have internally right now. <laughs> Seems like a pretty good bet. Um, yeah. What, I mean, what has you most excited right now about you know, your plans or your strategy or the things that you're thinking about? Obviously, like we said earlier, it's a really hot space and you have a, a very you know, differentiated product in a market that's moving really quickly. So how are you thinking about things today? Yeah. So first I'll just start. It, it just feels very good to be able to help leaders similar to yourself, right? So it's things where you understand the pain and just what it takes for us to show up every single day to, to succeed and also our leaders under us and our, and our reps. It's all things that I have personally felt um, in the past. And then this is the first time where I've joined a company where I've been a customer and I've made a decision to partner with that company. So the level of conviction that I've come in <laughs> with at, at Chorus is just at a whole different level <laughs> that, I've, that I've ever imagined to be very transparent and not saying that I didn't love my time at, at the previous companies that I've, that I've um, had a blessing to have joined in the past, but it's just, it's a different feeling. So when I'm speaking to customers, I can actually speak to what it was like to implement conversation intelligence. And what are some of the things that I uncovered that I maybe wasn't expecting uh, at first? Um, so that, those are some of the really exciting parts, first and foremost, is I'm speaking to people that I can really align with in, 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 their, in the things that they're trying to solve uh, for. The second is we often make decisions that we, we feel like we're taking data-based uh, uh, calls, but we really aren't. There's still some subjectivity to it. And what Chorus helped me do um, is to take a much more objective approach in how I was assessing uh, my team in the, in the past. And I want to give that ability to, to others as well uh, in the future. Um, so those are just a few points that, that, I, that I'd focus on. I'm happy to dig in deeper too. Yeah, let's, so now I want to like flip that coin over and say, you know, every business has its challenges and, and especially, you know, they can be timing based, they can be, you know, product and market fit based. What, what is perhaps the biggest challenge that you see stepping into this role, whether it's something that you're excited to tackle or even scared to tackle? Like what, what is that thing that you're focused on this year moving forward that you see as an obstacle that needs to be climbed? Yeah. So um, I think first is just the, the main area that I'm trying to get through very, very quickly is I don't believe in making 
crazy decisions very quickly on like what's going to be the go-to-market approach that we're going to sign off on for the future as we're continue to scale this. Uh, I want to make sure that I give myself some time to sit and actually feel things, right? Like feel what's going on, feel what's, what's happening, what's working really well, what's not working very well, and actually take the time to feel that. And I've set this already in my mind that I'm giving myself two months. So through the, the end of, uh, of September here, right? So I started in, in late uh, July to just sit and feel things and really focus on our customers. So I'm joining an insurmountable amount of customer calls and conversations. And that is at every level, right? From initial conversation to implementations, I'm there in the thick and thin <laughs> during those uh, different parts of the customer life cycle and seeing like, what is that experience that customers are, are going through? So to me, like the, the toughest part is there are some things that I'm seeing. I just kind of want to jump in there and okay, let's go and reorganize how we've set up the team so we can provide uh, better for, for set customer outcomes, which are very, very important to me. I believe in setting up uh, your entire process based on customer outcomes. What are the outcomes that customers are looking for throughout their relationship with you? Not just when they first find out about Chorus and then they decide to buy it, but through the entire experience as they're a customer and they're learning how to adopt our platform, as they are uh, thinking about renewal or expansion, what are the outcomes that they're trying to achieve along those lines? And I feel like I wouldn't be able to do that if I didn't give myself these two months to really just feel things through. So that's first and foremost what I'm, what I'm focused on. But also, you know, there, I'm human and there's, there's some concern there, right? Like, am I waiting too long? Like if I'm seeing something, should I just go and jump on there? But uh, you know, I've met some of these incredible mentors that I've had in the past and, and others that I've spoken to that have come into similar situations. They're like, no, like, take your time. I really feel things first before you make any crazy uh, decisions on uh, – you know, things that, that are going to affect a lot of people. So that seems sensible. So it sounds like the, the big thing that you're rallying around as your first move, once you're comfortable is mapping the customer journey in a way that is supporting their goals. Yeah. That is the first, you nailed it. It's the <laughs> first thing that I'm doing and it just kicked off. So Amazing. you're, you know it and it's uh yeah, um, I just did a webinar actually recently with Sales Hacker on the, the topic. And that's what we're going through uh, right now is we've defined a team that's involved in it. We are mapping out the customer journey without any stages or thought process from that. It's just the customer journey. It's going to come in many different wow. crazy ways, right? And we're just going to literally take stick, you know, virtual sticky notes uh, on, uh, on, on Google, I forgot the exact, is it Google drawing? I can't remember exactly what it was. Um, so we literally are just kicking off that project now. And, you know, after getting that, that journey, we're going to really align it to the, uh, customer outcomes that are involved in that journey, followed by how we can help people guide to those outcomes. And then lastly, build our new and improved, uh, overall sales process which to me a sales process doesn't end at signature date. It's a continuous circle that never, never ends. Are there any new trends you're seeing in the market or, or kind of things that you think are going to become more um, 
of a norm and, and give people more of an edge in the future that you have your eye on that you're thinking through? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, this is something that I really learned uh, from the, the huddle days is just what does customer centricity really mean? Like if you're customer centric and it means that you make your decisions based on your customers and the outcomes that they're trying to achieve. And that, that isn't something that I got to experience there. And it's something that I'm going to bring forth with me for the rest of my career. And it touches on like, what are the expectations from the customer? Like what is the buying process that they are seeking and how do you more closely align to that and make sure that you can remove friction points uh, along the line uh, and the circle, I'm sorry, that the customer is going to go through. I don't want to stay lying because I speak very heavily against the linear uh, sales <laughs> process. So get, X that one out, right? Like you got, you got to edit that one out for me though. So that, that one slipped. But that is something that I'm very, I'm very excited about is like, I think that's going to be the future. Buyers are going to be more and more in control. Our job is going to be to remove friction as much as possible across the, the buying cycle. And that's how companies are going to be able to differentiate more and more besides their product, et cetera. But I think that experience is going to matter more and more. Fantastic. So as we wind this down, I mean, you have had an amazing career thus far, and it's obviously only continuing to build momentum and gain steam. Um, what are some things that you do to blow off that steam, to clear your mind and, uh, you know, not be immersed in, in work all the time? Yeah. So, uh, the number one thing I do is I exercise every single day. So I have a very strict uh, just exercise program that I, that I go through. Um, it's not very exciting. There's like, no, it's just me, myself, a few weights, and then maybe, you know, running outside or, 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 or things like that. But then the one other area is, is soccer. So which unfortunately we don't have right now due to COVID, but, uh, I try to play twice a week and that's what really helps me get all my energy out uh, and gives me the ability to stay uh, centered. And it's how I relieve my, my stress. And then the, the last piece is I have, even within my calendar, very distinct times that I spend with my family every day. So I have a 10 month old daughter. So I like to make sure that from 5.30 to 7, I am focused on her, playing with her and then uh, bath time, uh, and finally uh, putting her down at 7 p.m. So I say that is also like something that blows off steam too. It's calming to be with your family and especially, uh, you know, your kids. So, um, yeah. That's great. I, when you said, when you were talking about exercise, you're like, I have a really strict exercise routine with just myself for whatever reason, the image that popped into my mind was jazzercise, like you in a room, you know, <laughs> you know, Jane Fonda, uh, working it out. But then he said, wait, so we, cl we cleared that visualization up real quick. Yeah. I have multiple circuits that I've just made up in my head that I do. Um, and nice. yeah, not, I don't know if they make a lot of sense, but, um, you know, it, wor it works for me. Well, I hope you're able to get back to uh, real soccer outside with other people soon. Um, yeah, and depending on how international you are, that's football, right? So, right. you know, the podcast says, yes. so yeah, you got to say, you got to say it right. So global football, football. or soccer. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> Good call out. Good call out. Yeah. Uh, well, thanks for taking the time, Diago. This was really enjoyable. Um, and I know the audience is going to take a lot from it. So thank you. I appreciate your time. <laughs>